Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Lauren Hansen, an editor at The Week, and today I thought it'd be a good time to talk about the populist movement. They claim to speak for the people, the real people. They say they fight the elite. So we're going to talk next about the rise of populism around the world. Look, both parties are being roiled by populism. You might have heard this term several times over the course of the nearly two-year race to the White House. And that's because we just ushered a populist president into the Oval Office. But if you're wondering what exactly populism is and where it came from, well, I've got you covered. Broadly speaking, populism is the belief that the will of ordinary citizens should prevail over that of a privileged elite. This anti-elitism has repeatedly sprung up on both the left and right sides throughout American history. The movement is often stoked by charismatic firebrands who harness the resentment of the marginalized people. Just this past election cycle, we had a populist movement splintering both the Democratic and the Republican parties. On the left, you had Bernie Sanders, a self-described democratic socialist who rallied against income equality and the billionaire class. Ultimately, the senator's message didn't get him to the nomination, but populism worked quite well for Donald Trump, who led the right-wing populist campaign all the way to a stunning upset on November 8, 2016. It's a movement comprised of Americans from all races, religions, backgrounds, and beliefs who want and expect our government to serve the people and serve the people it will. During his campaign, Trump vowed to deport all 11 million illegal immigrants and build a massive wall at the Mexican border. He built a base on an anti-Washington, anti-elite message. Because you know what, folks? We're going to take our country back from these people. We're going to take it back. But these messages from Sanders or Trump aren't all that new. Sanders picked up where the late 19th century populist party left off, and Donald Trump is really just the modern-day incarnation of the Know Nothing movement. The Know Nothings were a xenophobic political movement that emerged in the 1840s in response to a massive influx of Irish, Catholic, and German immigrants at the time. Native-born Protestants saw these immigrants as job-stealing threats to America's cultural and religious identity. The Know-Nothings began as a secret society, which is where that name comes into play. When asked about their ties to these groups, members were instructed to say they, quote, knew nothing. The underground movement made their official political debut in 1855 as the short-lived American Party. The American Party demanded immigration restrictions and a 21-year residency requirement for citizenship. In 1856, the American Party chose former President Millard Fillmore as their nominee, and he won 21.6% of the vote. Later, a rift between anti-slavery and pro-slavery factions fatally splintered their movement. But nativism comes roaring back to life with every successive wave of immigration. But the Trump style of populism is quite different from the Bernie Sanders style of populism. Left-wing populism rose to prominence in the 1880s by farmers who were suffering because of plummeting cotton prices in the South and a drought in the Great Plains. As farmers sank deeper into debt, their simmering resentments of Eastern elites were ignited, especially by bankers charging exorbitant lending rates and railroad barons charging high prices. The farmers, labor unions, and their sympathizers formed what they officially called the People's Party, but was commonly known as the Populists. 
The populace wanted to nationalize railroads, breaking up big trusts and get rid of the gold standard, which restricted the money supply. They also advocated an eight-hour workday, women's suffrage, and a progressive income tax. In 1892, populist president candidate James B. Weaver won 8.5% of the vote. Unfortunately, that was their peak. They later split into two factions, those who wanted to merge with the Democrats and those who preferred an independent party. By the 20th century, the Democratic Party had absorbed many of the populist core ideas and became the foundation of FDR's New Deal. But during the Cold War, anti-elitism began to lose its liberal moorings. After controlling federal power for a generation, liberals were the elite. So populism took a hard right turn, taken on by Senator Joseph McCarthy, for example. You are seeing today an all-out attempt to marshal the forces of the opposition using not merely the communists, but the fellow travelers, the deluded liberals, the eggheads. McCarthy's populism led the country's anti-communist crusade. The senator trained its rhetoric mostly on left-leaning academics, Ivy League-educated officials, and Hollywood actors and producers. But in the 1960s, segregationist Alabama Governor George Wallace appropriated populism. He played the working-class hero, snarling at pointy-headed bureaucrats and liberals. But our movement does represent, in my judgment, the majority thinking of the American people at this moment and will represent it November 5th. Wallace's third party presidential bid in 1968 drew 13.6% of the vote. Conservatism has had a strain of anti-elitism populism ever since, most recently and effectively in the Tea Party. The 2008 financial crisis sparked an explosion of anger against Wall Street in Washington, which culminated in the 2016 presidential race and the election of Donald Trump. We won the evangelicals. We won with young. We won with old. We won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. Trump took on the old nativist message, adding a big dose of narcissism and turned his movement into a cult of personality. But throughout history, populists from left to right have had something in common besides anti-elitism. While they often influence mainstream parties, they don't win national elections until now. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell your friends, or give us a rating or review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. Music